This podcast is intended to provide general information about various recent developments in employment law and human resources best practices. Nothing in this presentation or in the comments of Ms. Johnson, Ms. Shannon, or any guest should be considered as the rendering of legal or other professional advice, and it is not directed at any specific cases or circumstances. Listeners are responsible for obtaining the necessary advice about their specific situations from their own counsel. These materials are intended for educational and informational purposes only. The presentation and these materials represent the opinions of the participants and not those of their law firms or companies. No part of these materials may be printed, photocopied, or otherwise reproduced, recorded, or stored, or transmitted in any form and by any means, electronic, mechanical, or otherwise, without the prior written permission of today's workplace podcast. Welcome to today's workplace, a podcast created to keep employers current on the latest employment law trends while providing proactive solutions to the everyday issues arising in today's rapidly changing workplace. Is your business prepared for today's workplace? Let's find out with your hosts, Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. One of the reactions shortly after the Black Lives Matters movement protest was a government crackdown to some extent on diversity and inclusion programs through an executive order. And that executive order really put employers in a quandary between a rock and a hard place because at a time where the public was demanding action, there was um, an executive order on the books that said no training that shames people, whatever that means. I mean, and just a lot of rhetoric in the executive order that gave employers pause. It's my understanding that that um, executive order is now on hold, and we do expect that there'll be a rollback and an emphasis on, uh, once again, education within the workplace um, on these issues. But there is still concern around diverse discrimination, reverse discrimination, and the reaction of employees in the workplace who do not want to see this kind of progressive agenda. Realistically, there may need to be legislative change in order to give um, employers the support that they need to put in place the strategies that we'll be talking about um, in season two. And we will actually have a speaker during season two who's going to talk about what some of those changes actually might look like. There was a lot of excitement about putting new programs in place executive order, hesitation, and employers figuring out how to do a workaround. Now it looks as if the workaround will not be necessary and that there may be some federal regulation or federal action that will enhance an employer's ability to implement effective programs. Yeah, when that executive order came out, it was interesting to me to see the response by uh, different companies, because some companies immediately stopped what they were doing. But others, you know, said, this is important. 
we're going to we're going to find a way to do this, you know, with all due respect to this executive order, because I think many probably saw it as being a little bit political, you know, related to the political discourse over, you know, the aftermath of our uh, social justice. Uh, but but what I found really helpful from a variety of outside counsel and firms are they actually took the time to kind of really explain to employers what that what the restrictions in this you know avoid terms such certain terms and you know when you're talking about this they um, explained it the outside counsel explained it for us and they kind of provided companies with a roadmap to continue moving forward, but not violating the order. But now the order has been suspended. Is that correct? Yes, it has. Yeah. Okay. So what are some of the approaches, um, Belinda, that you have found to be most successful in moving the needle? I think um, some of the approaches that I've seen are without getting too granular. Well, first, let me give you 30,000 foot in the approach, you know, because the approach is really important. An organization can engage in a whole bunch of activities and not make any progress whatsoever because they don't have a defined strategy that makes sure that they cover uh, some key areas. But, you know, the approach needs to start with an assessment if you haven't already done one. An organization, you know, absolutely needs to know where they are uh, before they, you know, start plotting out or planning uh, where they're trying to go. So where where are you starting from? Where are your areas of greatest opportunity? And then once they have an idea of that, and that can be done, you know, through qualitative uh, means as well as, you know, doing a cultural audit where you through quantitative means and looking at data, but also qualitative means where you do a cultural audit and you're talking to key individuals and you're looking at policies and practices and, you know, that sort of thing, or you're doing like a survey, an employee survey. So that's um, what gives input to the to, you know, the direction that a company needs to follow. And so for most companies that have really taken that step and taken the time to take that step, they're going to be, you know, more successful. And then it's looking carefully at, you know, certain key processes like hirings and promotions and succession planning and development programs and who's being mentored, who's being sponsored and, and also attrition, you know, how, how are your policies on terminations? Um, you know, how are they impacting or, or are you looking at the rate at which, you know, certain underrepresented groups are leaving the organization because you could be diversifying really well on the front end, but if you're not paying attention to the inclusive environment and ensuring that people feel as if they belong, then you're going to have a high attrition rate and it's just going to be a churn that's going to get get you nowhere. And so companies that can look at all of those things, I'd say one of the key and critical areas is the talent area, though. Um, you know, in in terms of talent acquisition, you know, who are we recruiting? Who are we able to recruit? Um, back, you know, re- referencing back to the um, statistic that I gave you around two thirds of job seekers, you know, wanting to know and see evidence that a company values diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, you know, that information, you know, really weighs in terms of your ability to, to, to you know, attract 
the talent. And so organizations not only look at their numbers in terms of representation, who's in the talent pool, but they're looking at every single step of their talent acquisition process to ensure that you know they are they are you know conducting that process in a way that will increase their chances of being able to hire diverse talent and they're also looking at their talent uh, management systems and ensuring that opportunity is being given to early and mid-career professionals within the organization that would equip them with the experience necessary to make them competitive when the senior level positions come open. Those are some of those are some of the things that that I've experienced and actually helped an organization build internally. Um, but I'd like to know, you know, from a um, outside counsel perspective, uh, what might be some of the things that you've helped um, employers do that well, it's been It's been um, very rewarding in a way to work with um, senior leadership of organizations, CEOs and their executive teams in education. Because part of the challenge in this area is many leaders don't know how to talk about it. They don't understand the historical perspective. They don't know how to talk about it. And so having meetings with leadership teams and giving them an opportunity to, in a safe space, ask questions, understand the issues. And I've been really encouraged in a way because the reality is, you know, the American employer is extremely facile and creative and can do so much, but we haven't brought that same creativity to this issue historically. So if companies understand the importance of using the same tactics and strategy to develop effective programs as it takes to put a new product on the market, we're going to see tremendous successes. And I think that's what's starting to happen. But first, you have to understand the issue. First, you have to understand the problem. And then you develop the strategy along the same lines that you were just discussing. And that combination of you know, education, commitment, and strategy, I think, can and will result in us seeing change when we haven't seen any, despite a lot of churning in the past. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Well, currently, Belinda, I know you serve as a DNI officer for a company. What's realistic to expect in terms of what a diversity and inclusion officer can and cannot do? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, organizations need um, to realize that, number one, that expert is in there to guide the organization. So they're not in there, they, they're not hired to come do, quote unquote, do diversity and inclusion for the organization. They're there to guide the organization, much as uh, any other individual would do, a senior leader, you know, in the marketing area is there to guide you know, the organization in advising and determining the actions they need to take, you know, to maximize all um, dimensions of, of marketing that they're, that they need to do for their particular industry. Well, it's the same for diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, the leader 
um, and their teams, they are there to guide the organization, um, setting out the strategic vision, understanding the business, and understanding how to guide the business in making decisions um, for their organization, and then assisting them in really uh, taking the tactical actions that need to be taken. And so um, that's one thing. And then also what they need to realize is that there's no real quick fix. This isn't a once and done sort of adventure here. It's not a quick fix. And in fact, um, it is if an organization understands, particularly leaders in an organization understand what it takes to establish the best culture that will help move the organization forward. It's as part of the same kind of um, process that you need to go through, you know, because this is a cultural change to a certain extent. It's a behavioral change. It involves behavioral change and it also involves structural changes. So effecting all three of those things, culture, behavior, and structural changes is something that requires, you know, a really effective short-term as well as long-term strategy that kind of hits all the important areas that will help give a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging uh, overall corporate strategy momentum. And that's when you pay attention to communications and messaging. And you you really do invest in education because like you said, you know, leaders are not always uh, fluent in understanding or how to talk about this or how to incorporate the messaging that supports the culture in the things that they do. But um, there's also, you know, engagement. There's so many different ways for uh, the employees as well as the leaders to get engaged in all levels, not only within the company, among the, the, the different groups of employees that are unique, but also in helping to build the external partnerships with communities and professional organizations. But then they also have to really, um, as I mentioned before, be prepared to measure themselves and hold themselves accountable for uh, driving results. And so doing all of that requires, you know, some really clear assessment Um, some decision-making on where they're going to put their focus and their energies and their resources, and then, you know, really committing to that over the course of time so that it becomes part of the regular cadence of the organization. You know, one of the things that I'm really excited about with this season is that we are going to provide resources. We're going to provide resources for organizations that are taking this journey seriously. We'll be talking with the leaders of several organizations that promote diversity and inclusion, and they'll explain how they can be helpful. We'll be talking to experts who can help us understand the legal implications, the legal landscape, issues around um, reverse discrimination. We'll be talking to some plaintiff's attorneys who will talk about class and collective discrimination actions. Um, We'll talk to experts who can help companies look at some of the statistical analyses that can facilitate growth in this area. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too, because uh, this is big. And I'm just looking forward to hearing, you know, from the vast array of professionals that support an organizational's growth 
um, and an organization's desire and aspirations to really insert diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging in a way that really is going to show progress and really is going to help propel the company forward. And so um, the I think the conversations are going to be great. Uh, I think it's very timely. This is an issue that's not going away. And I really look forward to hearing from one or more companies who, you know, they're still stuck in that space of, oh, no, what do we do? If they listen to this podcast, they will be able to know exactly where to start. So I look forward to season two. Same here. You've been listening to Today's Workplace with Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. If you like what you heard, Click subscribe so you don't miss out on future updates and episodes. For more information about today's episode, check out todaysworkplace.com. That's T-O-D-A-Y-S-W-O-R-K-P-L-A-C-E dot com.